Blog Talk Radio. Uh, if you go to my shopping post, there's a link right on. Don't sing if you want to live long. They have no use for your song. You're dead, you're dead, you're dead. You're dead and out of this world. You'll never get a second chance. Plan all your moves in advance. Stay dead, stay dead, stay dead. Stay dead and out of this world. Run fast, don't stand in the sun. There's too much work to be done. You're down, you're down, you're down. You're down and out of this world. Welcome to another edition of Archivist Bets on Sexy Witches, a podcast from the Geek Girls perspective, and I am the head huntress. And, well, um, you may have noticed, I don't know, probably nobody has noticed, but I actually put up a new banner for this season that says that we're doing these shows on Wednesdays. But I think maybe we've done one of these shows on Wednesday, and they've all been on Thursdays. <laughs> Uh, welcome to the pandemic. I mean, it's just, you know, it's just right now it's just working better to do it on Thursdays. So please forgive my trespasses on my, on my banner, but know that at some day when everything's back to normal, we will, uh, do our regularly scheduled programming instead of one day off. But still, we're going to have a lot of fun. It doesn't matter because we are so happy. Why are we so happy? Sexy witches. We are so fucking happy because the best show on television aired again last night. And it really is one of the best shows on television. And we're going to talk about that and all the things that inspired that television show and all the characters in just a minute. But first, let me introduce my sexy witches. All right. In the 971 area code. Give a shout out of who you are, sir, ma'am, whoever it is on the other line. <laughs> yes, I could be both or neither. Uh, hey, you I, got, I, you my got... pronouns are so fucked right now, especially <laughs> with. So anyway, so what, what's up? I'm actually I'm doing it in the order of the calls because they all came in at once. So I actually don't know who is who. So that's why. So go ahead. So nine one seven. The Enchantress of Nevermore, why don't you give a quick bio and, and what you're doing during the pandemic and what you used to be before the pandemic. What I used to be. <laughs> I am the shell of what I used to be. Um, yes, the cool kids call me Raven. I'm hanging out in Portland, Oregon, which is supposedly doing really well at following orders. But every time I go outside, um, it doesn't seem like it. So I guess we'll find out. Um, I was doing a bunch of theater before this, and nobody's doing any theater right now. So it's mostly been World of Warcraft and the fetal position for me. Excellent. Yeah, I, I, I call it Tuesday. That would be about third, third of the probably United States is with you on that. With yeah, the fetal position. Sure. I would think so. 
<laughs> so, <laughs> but we are going to take a couple of hours, maybe, or at least an hour, at least an hour, and and forget about our troubles and talk about fun, stupid shit, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Sometimes you got to do it. So, I'll be right back, Raven. I'm going to introduce some more sexy witches in the five four zero area code. Give a yo. Yeah. Yo, my original sexy witch <laughs> on the line from Clifton Ford, Virginia. And the reason why my pronouns are all messed up is that her um, Max, her her uh, child, yes. Is is uh, trying to get me to uh, be better about my pronouns, which you know, after 20 years of government ingraining, is very difficult to do. So, please welcome to the show my sexy porn witch, Erin Marie. How you doing? Let you tell people what you did before the the pandemic and what you're doing now. What I did before the pandemic is exactly what I'm doing during the pandemic except for without conventions pretty much i mean this is my my, my every day <laughs> except for there's so, kids here now they don't have school to go to it's your volume up <laughs> i can hear you guys i'll lose your volume up i hear that anyway everybody so your how is your isolation going i mean it's the same as my everyday life it, it's the only difference is I've got kids to watch stuff with now during the day instead of having to wait for them to come home from school. <laughs> well, you know that that that's I guess a good thing, but you know I, at the same time, I mean that's what I'm saying. You 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 know how to do this isolation. This, this you you've got this. So you know yeah, taking I'm, it I'm in stride. So excellent. Uh, so we'll get back to you in just a moment. And last but not least, my cousin, my partner in crime, when I'm in Los Angeles, the one that I was going to go visit in August, but I don't think I'm going to Star Wars Celebration because God knows it'll probably be canceled, but I, I hope not. Yeah. And and we did just shoot a movie together, so there's that. I'm so glad that happened before yeah. the call went down. So please Amen. welcome to the show, my cousin. Eric Kogan, how you doing? <laughs> Sexy witches, the warlock of Orange County. How you doing? I'm hanging in there. How y'all doing tonight? I'm a little all over the map, but I'm doing okay. Uh. I'm glad I'm here talking about one of my favorite subjects, vampires. So, uh, you know, I don't talk straight up vampires very often because, you know, it gets overplayed. But here we are talking yeah. vampires. So, uh, <clears throat> so we're all here. I'm so glad tonight's panel is nice. This is a co- our core sexy witches. Uh, I don't have any calling guests, but if you want to call in, please do so. I know there's a few of you listening out there. Uh so thank you for listening. Our phone number for to call in and talk about stuff. Oh no, Erin Marie just once disappeared. I hope she comes back. Six four six seven one six nine one seven two. Once again, six four six seven one six nine one seven two. The sexy witches are looking for your to your call. So <clears throat> that was a terrible pitch. I'm usually much better than that. <laughs> but um, so up oh, good back. We're having the usual black tub problems tonight. Erin Marie, you're back on. And uh, so, uh, so last night, we 
I'll be honest with you, I have been moving it on Thursdays because of my job. I, my day job has been so tough. I'm an essential play and this whole thing's been going down. But I will say I also wanted to move it because I wanted to watch What Do We Do in the Shadows, which would have been at 9 o'clock and I would have been on air. And I was like, what's the point of having my favorite TV show on if I can't watch it? So um, there was not just one episode, everyone, but we got two episodes of greatness. And what we do with the shadows. And so I could blab and blab and blab. I would assume that most people know what the movie is and the first season and Jeremy Clement, you know, Clement, Jermaine Clement. And you also have uh, Takio Atiti, who's bigger than what? I mean, how, how famous is Takia now, what do you think? Taika? Oh, huge. I mean, yeah, he's People are starting to learn how to pronounce his name is the important thing. I mean, no, once no. they care to learn how to pronounce your name, then you're somebody. And, and and I got to see him on the What We Do in the Shadows panel, along with Jermaine Clement and the whole cast. It was really cool um, in San Diego Comic-Con. And I waited two and a half hours mm-hmm. in that line. Hmm. And I got there, literally the last two people in was myself and my daughter. Uh, so, uh, you know, uh, it, it's it's huge pedigree. First season had some hysterical elements, even some world building. Um, the first energy vampire as a main char- as a main character I've ever mm-hmm. seen on a show, uh, and still hysterical. By the way, uh, <laughs> Becky seems happier. I almost want him to be more more sullen now. Um, and um, the whole thing is is really really fun and silly and wonderful. And uh, so season two, um, let's who wants to re- give a synopsis of the first two episodes. Just a quick one, not a lot of spoilers, but you know, you can go ahead and name drop the cameos. How about <laughs> Raven? Let's have Raven do it. She's usually pretty good at dropping cameos. And I knew you were going to say that because I cannot watch it yet. <laughs> so I have not <gasps> seen season two at all. <gasps> but look, well, okay, before we pull away from you though, tell people how much you love Matt Berry. <laughs> oh, joyous wonder that is Matt Berry. He is, he's like if Brian Blessed was a shrinky dink. He is amazing. Um, just anything that comes out of his mouth, he could read the phone book, which doesn't exist anymore. And I would just fall asleep <laughs> like a little baby. He's just so, he steals the scene no matter what it is. Uh, uh, and he, he, he's uh He's Laszlo. He's overcharged sexual vampire on what we do with the shadows. Married to Claudia, who, by the way, Claudia is a very important name. Well, uh, or Nadja, I'm sorry, Claudia, wrong one. Uh, Claudia, Nadia. someone else. We'll talk about her later. Uh, Nadja. Nadia. Nadja. So, who, okay, so w- which one of the errands would like to take the synopsis of what we saw last night? Go for it. Oh, Aaron Marie, okay. I could do that. yeah, Aaron Marie, talk about it. You got handed um, the ball. Yes, I don't have live TV either, so I ended up going to the FX Now app and just watching it live there, which was awesome. <laughs> um, I had to wait for the eleven o'clock to come back around because I forgot and like until like ten ten, and I was like, oh shit. Anyway, 
Um, in the first episode, both Laszlo and Nadia are, are trying to, they're going through familiars like crazy. <laughs> um, they find one, and there's your first cameo, Haley Joel Osment, who I think he's lost some weight. He looks mm-hmm. like he's lost weight since his part in The Boys. Sorry, I forgot it was in the boys. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, totally. So, but, um, but yeah, it's all about like familiars and like um, their familiar is liked better than Guillermo. Of course, Guillermo's not taking that too well. Guillermo <laughs> for the win on everything, especially what he's doing for them at the moment. Um, and then of course the second episode, for some reason. They did not believe ghosts existed, even though, like, everything else supernatural existed. And then, of course, we get, like, a a cameo from Gregor from the first season, which was great. But other than that, I'm not going to get detailed. They were really, really funny. I mean, it, it, it threw, it jumped right back in. It was like getting a warm hug, you know. I, I, I was hmm. so happy to to watch these characters again. I forgot how fun they are. And like, it, it just was a nice, I think they're all this like dour and doom and gloom and the sappy. Oh my gosh. Sappy. Stay together. Strong bullshit. Um, I could go into why I think a lot of that is bullshit. Um, <laughs> especially I don't need fucking I, IBM telling me that we're going to be strong together. They can go, suck a dick um anyway uh you know commercials i'm so sick of them but um we have this like wonderful little oasis of just i just for for an hour just watched it forgot about everything and just enjoyed it and and i would actually say special effects are so good on the show so aaron talk about the special effects how do you feel about them I, I, i thought the ghost worked he was cool. Oh, the ghost was awesome. Uh, the ectoplasm was great. Uh, the effect with his uh, head uh, getting all demony was awesome. Uh, all the other uh, visiting ghosts just looked beautiful. Um, and uh, in the first one, uh, Hallie Joel Osment's character climbing on walls and everything else. Uh, just seamless, uh, as good or better than any TV special effects I've ever seen. Did, did anybody else? Because I was like, when when the Necromancer came on, and I looked at him, I was like, oh, who is that? He looks familiar. And I clicked <laughs> yes. it is. And then it was like Victor fucking Wong, right? Or what? I mean, sorry, BD Wong, right? Was that, that who it. it was last? Huh? Not not B B D Wong is uh no, who a was taller, it last thinner Benedict. I lost Benedict Wong, right? Hold on, I got uh, it from, now. I I had it completely ready to go, and of course I del- I closed from, up my um, notes. Um, um, uh, Doctor Strange, Benedict Wong, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Am I on drugs? Uh, are we on uh, drugs? Uh, I don't know. We could be. On yeah, drugs. no, Benedict Wong. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah I am Wong. on drugs, but it's it's Benedict Wong. Yeah, he's cool. And and apparently he's going to be a relatively regular character this season. So let's see what happens there. Uh, So I was pretty happy about that. 
Um, I don't know if we're going to get an episode this season like we did last year with the trial, which is probably like the greatest 28 minutes oh, of I think TV we are. ever. But I heard up yeah. the pipe that they did something even bigger this year. So I what? don't know. We'll, 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 I, I have a feeling we might see Tilda again. Uh, I'm really hoping we do because Tilda Swinton was my favorite thing about the, that episode. And it's not even my favorite yep. vampire movie, but Tilda just looks so cool in the costume. So she was so yeah, funny. Plus, we we might get Brad Pitt or Robert Pattinson or one of the others. That, was that would be amazing. Uh, we'll have to see who they snag this year. I bet you it's funny that this year it's going to be easier to get people than last time. Because last time, it, um, what I loved about the trial episode, when they actually were saying why they couldn't make it to the council, yes. was actually really what why they couldn't be on the episode. So uh, <laughs> scheduling problems, whatever. So I bet you'll be a lot less scheduling issues. It's like the first season of the Muppets. Nobody wanted to be on the first season of the Muppets. And then they saw it and then they're like, holy shit. And everyone wanted to be on the Muppets. <laughs> so let's say what we do in the shadows, right? So everyone wants to be on the fucking vampire show. Uh, I still haven't seen uh, Paranormal, what was it? Uh, the, the, the Wellington Paranormal, which is the other show that goes with what we do with the shadows was just still kicking my head that I haven't seen that show yet. I can't find it anywhere. Um, and, uh, and I'm really wondering what the status is with the coronavirus pandemic with the werewolves because they were shooting. Right. I seem to remember I'm, reading something that they said uh, production was mostly done and they were finishing up some things in isolation, but I don't remember if they said it was going to affect the date of release or not. And everything's up in the air right now. We'll just have to be patient. Yeah. But uh, meanwhile, we have this, and there's eight lovely hmm. episodes. Yay! So, um, Steve, you've been awful quiet. What do you, you want to add anything, or uh, did you get to see the episode last night? Yeah, I did. You were. It, it is like it was like a warm hug. It was so much fun. Like I was just happy to be back there. Like, um, yeah, it's it, it really. I didn't even think of it. I think I took it for granted the first year. I just thought, yeah, this is funny. But last night, I couldn't have been more happy to have been watching anything. So that was a day. It was absolute blast. It's so funny how like you know and other people that were posting on my when I tagged people that said I was watching it they're saying we're so happy to have this back in our lives like it's not I'm not the only person to say that it, it, it's like it really was like some kind of joy was lacking and this episode has a small I mean this show has a tiny piece of that you know now the Orville drops that's really gonna be my happiness so uh, you know so I hope Orville is as good as this which are both on Hulu now um, and FX and whatever the fuck you're watching. Um, so the streaming wars are upon us right when this pandemic's going down. I wonder when, which one of the streaming apps is going to survive through all this. Cause I think there'll be a winner. Hmm. Mm, I don't know. Netflix is worth a whole lot of money. They're worth more than Disney. I saw, which I don't even understand that, but okay. Well, uh, well Disney took a huge hit. Uh, simply oh, because of okay. the, the parks. Yeah. Oh, so that, that's, that's why that's Disney got downgraded right like it did. That's yeah, exactly. Fair. Okay, I don't nope. think that's fair. Never mind. I, I take that back. That's <laughs> not fair. <laughs> so, Bob, no, just, Bob Iger was... Headline. 
was slated to step down, and they announced two days ago right? that he's not stepping down. Uh, Shortest to retirement Disney. ever. Yeah. <laughs> so, so he's going to try to keep Disney alive. I mean, I will tell you, I'm not worried about the machine. Disney has gone through bad yeah. times, a lot, a lot of downs. This is not even, I don't think, the worst thing they've ever dealt with. I mean, uh, you know, so we'll, we'll yeah. see what happens. Uh, I think Disney will come out of this just fine, but there might not be a lot of regular people that don't have the machine behind them that will. Um, you know, yeah. they, they ran out of money on the small business loans already, according to the news, which is like, yeah. what? That was weak. It- and then the you latest know. thing that I saw, not not to get too far into politics and da da da, yeah, but Ruth Chris, I believe it was Ruth Chris, one of the major chains of high end steak restaurants, uh, got twenty mil as a small business. So um, what? Well, you know, they consider my sure. business. They consider my office a small business, and we have – this is our coronavirus staff, 150 You're people. You're not a chain of steak restaurants, though, a high-end No, I'm a, I'm a pharmaceutical manufacturer, so, yeah. I, you know. Crazy. Yeah, it's all, we're all stuck. <laughs> we're, we're all terrified at work. <laughs> work is going to kill us. It was like someone said that to me, and I started crying. And I was like, great, Aww. thanks. I don't appreciate that. But anyway, speaking of, but you know, it's it's death, and death is is a horrible thing. At the same time, uh, you know, there is some fun and humor in it, and 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 if you hit the right balance, you get something like what you do with what we do in the shadows. Um, now before we move on, I, I'm gonna move on from this for a moment and get back to vampires in a few minutes. But I did want to make a quick shout out, and I don't know who would want to take this, uh, if anybody wants to, but uh, we all got word this morning that one of the Actors, actors, one of everyone's favorite character actor, Mr. Brian Dennehy, person that I've actually met, um, passed today at 81 yeah. years old. And yeah. if you didn't know who he was, he was in everything, like everything. Like, you know, he, he, he was sometimes a star, but usually not always supporting, always memorable, uh, you, you know, uh, yeah. so... Who wants to talk about Brian Dennehy for a quick shout out? Well, I'll add a little something. <laughs> um, he was, like you say, solid in everything he did. Uh, the two things that stand out in my mind are uh, the part he had in Cocoon. Where, where, you know, he's uh, first, you know, kind of mysterious, spooky, everything. And then he's warm, friendly, comedic. And then uh, my absolute favorite, uh, the former uh, desperado bandit turned sheriff in Silverado. Oh, that's right. He is so good in that movie, too. He is so Uh, good in that. It's got every actor in the world in it. And he still stands out. He's the perfect foil for Kevin Kline. He has 183 acting credits, according to IMDb. Mm. His most famous, of course, would be First Blood, uh, 1982, with Sylvester right. Stallone. Most people would know him from that. But he still had, he was working up to the end. You know, he has three, he had um, two things in post-production and one in pre when he passed. 
So no. I mean, he 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 was working on the TV show The Blacklist till this last year. I mean, so uh, he he was working up to the very very end. This whole thing. Um, the weird thing is, is I keep seeing these. They're like, and today Brian Dennehy passed. People would know him from Tommy Boy. And and Grammy, yeah. I'm not going to disown Tommy Boy. I actually kind of love that movie. There's some really fucking funny things that happen in Tommy Boy, but that's not the that's not like a go. Oh, Brian Dennehy, Tommy Boy, you know, that's like a <laughs> that was like a, a cherry on top, like kind of a part, you know, like it, a featured cameo. It wasn't like he did so much more than that. I, I don't know people would have noticed. Most people say they know him from Rambo. So that that works. Yeah. I'll I'll give him that. So and uh, he was also in Cocoon. Cocoon. A lot of people. Oh yeah. I saw Cocoon in the theaters. So uh, you know it, it, it's you know the light vision aliens. Um, and he was also I forgot that he was in that weird Leonardo DiCaprio Ro- Romeo and Juliet. Uh, <laughs> I totally oh, forgot yeah. about I that. forgot about that too. Yeah, uh, don't you mean MTV's Romeo Plus Juliet? Yeah, Romeo <laughs> Plus Juliet. <laughs> I mean, there's some Accurate. things about the Boz Lerman Romeo <laughs> yeah. and Juliet I like, but there's a lot of things I don't like about it. Uh, the soundtrack you know, was the best part. Claire Danes is what I like. Everything else is, well, the soundtrack. Claire Danes and the soundtrack. Everything else is. You know, well, Claire Danes, though, starting with that movie on, started doing this ugly cry thing, and she started <laughs> doing it for every movie. Oh, my God. It, it, she, has, she has the I know, worst I know ugly exactly cry. what you mean. Uh-huh. No, like, she started toying with it with um, she's been my so-called crying wife her that's, whole career. That's is what ugly I was cry. gonna say Come during on. my so yeah she would ugly cry Thank during you. that but not the whole time but that's where she was experimenting <laughs> with Fair her enough. personal style of chin wobble slash ugly cry. <laughs> See, I'm not the only one that noticed. <laughs> I was like, I was. I mean, she did it also in that Les Miserables movie she was in, and yeah, in that Polish wedding movie that she was time. in. Yeah. Uh, last time I saw her, I was like, she was about to cry. I go, oh no, here it comes. She did it. Homeland, she cries. Yeah. So she mm-hmm. cries mm-hmm. Homeland. Oh, I haven't. You know, I've never seen an episode of Homeland. Oh yeah, I like it. I think it's cool. I think it's good. I just, I just have it. You know. I mean, I don't know if you'd like it. Check out the pilot at least. I just the jokes about Homeland are funnier than the show. Okay, well, I, I, I will. You know, like a lot of other TVs, everyone knows there's a lot of TV I haven't seen. Yeah, me, I'm with you on the TV. A lot of it I haven't seen. The, the thing about Homeland is it doesn't seem to. It's why it's so easy to make fun of it. It doesn't have much of a sense of humor about itself. Is the one thing I'll concede, but. Yeah, it is good. The first season I thought was some of the best TV I ever saw. A lot of people felt that way. Uh, you know, there was that uh, jokes about like white people loving Homeland more than anything else on Earth. <laughs> you know. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so true though. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> I didn't make I that up. That was so a Saturday Night Live sketch. So I, 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 I know that's that. my. That's that's my whole like like informedness of, of Homeland that and I know Claire Danes is in it. That's it. Um, and there's guns. There's always guns. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah. Now fuck guns. We're gonna talk about more fun things. So I, you know, obviously with this whole pandemic thing, I well not obviously, but yeah, I've pretty much have been slacking on bookings and topics for my show. I mean, I've sometimes played on the fly, anyways, but. 
I usually have people lined up, and I'm going to have a few. Aaron Kogan and I are working on one. Um, yeah. We got to talk about that, so we'll talk about that for the future, and that will be a pretty good interview too. It'll make you know, I'm yeah, all excited about that. that. That one's cool. Um, and that's thanks but, to Natalie. Uh, yeah, well, thank you, Nat. We love you. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so we're gonna take a small break, a very very small break, and then we're gonna come back and we're gonna talk about one of subject I knew we all could do and we could probably pull out our ass pretty quickly. I, at least I thought so. Uh, and it's the answer is vampires and not vampire shows, even though we are talking movies and TV. Um, it's vampire characters. Who are our favorite vampires in a sexy witch round Robin? I'll give you the rules on the flip side. So, uh, you know, uh, and, and um, we'll talk about it. it can be any medium. So it doesn't just have to be movies and film. I am accepting video games and comics and any anything else uh, medium or re- related that has a vampire in it. Um, you know, heck, you could even count Count Chocula if you really love him that much. Uh, <laughs> so... So anyway, let's take a quick small uh, vampire break, and we'll be right back on the flip side in just a couple minutes. When you came in, the air went out, and every shadow filled up with doubt. I don't know who you think you are, but before the night is through, I want to do bad things with you. I'm the kind who sit up in his room, heart sick and eyes filled up with blue. I'm here. Yeah, we got a little dead, dead air there. We do. Yeah. I know. And then it sounded okay. like Liz's line turned into a windy like can. 
empty tin can. Like a haunted house. That's probably not good. If no one has Count Chocula on their list, I say we discuss the best serial monster. (laughs) I don't know about that. I'm not like any of those sandwiches. Um, So let me talk about Sex Witch Round Robin real fast. (laughs) Of course, that was Bad bad Things, the theme to Buffy the Vampire Slayer, which will definitely become... Uh, uh, come up on my list of things I love about vampires. Uh, but um, Sexy Witch Round Robin, something I've been doing for quite a while. It was actually a game I used to play well before I had the podcast. So everyone makes a top 10 list. And then in the top 10 list, you have your top five list. And your top five list, we're going to read right now, live on air, starting with five and working our way up to one. Now, let's just say that Aaron Kogan gave a an answer that Erin Marie also has on her list and she has it next. She doesn't have to read that one. She can go to lower on her list or she can go and have two honorable mentions, which is, in my case, are vampire adjacent. Um, not quite vampires in my honorable mention list. Um, and you can also have two ties in your top ten. So, it's actually pretty easy to do. Um, tonight's order, I'm going to shake it up a little bit because I actually have it written down. And the pressure's on because my uh, Steve, the wizard wandling, my Reapinode co-host from Charleston, West Virginia. How you doing, sir? Hey, I'm fine. How are you doing? You're going to go glad first. To I'm, I'm glad really, to I was too. afraid you were going to do that. Yeah, oh you're going okay. first. This, this is this week's order. Okay, you ready? Um, it's mm-hmm. a little different than I normally do because usually I start with Aaron Marie, but tonight I'm going to end with Aaron Marie. Uh, so Steve, Ooh. Raven, Aaron Kogan, <laughs> Aaron Marie, and then myself. I always end. The, I always anchor in the, the the sexy witch round Robin. So once again, top five. Get two ties in your top ten. If somebody else has already read a movie that's on, or a film or a person on your list, you can go to the lower part of the list or mention one of your honorable mentions. So, Mr. Steve, number five. Uh, go. Okay. Okay. All right. I'm excited about the vampire talk. Um, uh, I actually chose some uh, uh, ones that I just didn't think other people would pick that uh, kind of stuck out to me, so I wouldn't have to mark off a bunch. But uh, I liked uh, 30 Days of Night was a very uh, – I'm probably dating myself by saying when this was a big deal. It was a very specific time and place. Big comic, and then they made the movie, and some people had problems with the movie. The movie may not have been as good as it first felt in the theater, but I still remember – uh, ben Foster um, as the stranger in that movie that shows up in the town. He's like the the civil. He's in kind of the civil war get up, and he sits and he gets arrested, and he kind of forbears everything that's going to happen. And he has that great Ben Foster drawl, and he says all that stuff about how death is coming to the small town when he's talking to the sheriff. And it always creeped me out, and I thought it played <laughs> really well for a trailer, and I thought it was awesome. So Ben Foster in Thirty Days a Night. Nice. That's my five. Yeah. Ben Foster is good in everything that he doesn't have an Oscar for Best Supporting Actor already surprises the crap out of me. 
Uh, He's really super creepy in 30 Days a Night. You know what cracks me up, Steve, about 30 Days a Night? Uh, It was right at the beginning when cell phones were popular, and they're still having to do it, but at the first they didn't know quite how to do it, how to write the cell phone out. Mm, And and so uh, in this case, they just took the cell phones and they lit them on fire. And uh, and just like off the bat, they were just burned. And I'm like, oh, well, that's a quick, easy way to deal with it instead of having to try to write something. No, we just don't have to worry about it. Yeah, so I don't know. It's funny. Anybody else have 30 Days a Night on their list? Or Ben Foster? No. No? Erin Marie? Not on mine. What about you? Nope. No. Wow. I'm really sorry. I do not have it either, but I do want to give a shout out to the comic book. And the comic book is actually pretty darn good because it is based on a comic oh, book yeah. property. So, so and, uh, matter of fact, what, one of the things I liked about the movie, they're hiding in an attic. And that's one of the comic books is about them being in an attic. And the, the image that they use in the movie is almost exactly like one of the panels from the book, uh, from the comic book. And I thought oh, that yeah. was, it was pretty yeah. cool. So it didn't make my list, but it would probably be somewhere in my top 20. Uh, Cause I, even though I am totally down for the hot, sexy vampire, I kind of appreciate the old school monster vampires like this one, these ones as well, sometimes more so. And in fact, my number one yeah. is actually rather more scary than a sexy vampire, sort of. We'll talk about that later. Um, so mm-hmm. we got 30 Days a Night at number five. So, Raven, what's your counter for number five? Because you clearly don't have 30 Days a Night there. Uh, yeah. Um, ben Foster. So, love him. LBF. Uh, that's, that's what we call each other. It's weird. So, Steve, <laughs> I also would like to mention that 30 Days of Night has an amazing riff track. And so if you're oh, wondering to yourself, really am I going oh, to write yeah. 30 Days of Night? It doesn't matter because there's a riff track. So, okay. So, you know, yeah. either way, <laughs> you win. That's I didn't know there was a riff track. Wow. Oh, yeah. That's a oh, serious yeah. movie Very to have good. a riff track. So... <laughs> Yeah. Well, they did Casablanca. They so. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Oh, yeah. They'll do All sorts of stuff. They'll do anything. All right. Thank you. So, um, Thank you. as I was going through my list, oh, you got it. As I was going through my list of like vampire media, I was realizing a lot of my favorite stuff that is vampire related, I don't really like the vampires in them. Uh, so a lot <laughs> of this is like adjacent or you know what something about the movie that or whatever that makes it you know part of the criterion collection if you will so my number five is a film geek that's just all this is that's okay that's why i'm starting with a book that makes sense well what i mean is what i mean is that you're you're you didn't want to be obvious and you deep dive so we all uh, my list i was trying not to be obvious either so you know so go for it. Your book. Okay. At number five. So the book series that I've always called my potato chip series and that sometimes when you get hungry and then you start eating potato chips and you start feeling like this is hitting the spot. And then when you're done, you just have an empty bag and you feel really greasy. Uh, the book version of that is Anita Blake, Vampire Hunter. And yeah. they are really cheesy, easy to read, like light romance 
novels with vampires and um, really emotionally unavailable supernatural beings. Um, you're not going to gain any IQ points by reading these, but they're really good when you need to turn your brain off um, and have a little bit of white, comforting white noise. So I need a Blake Vampire Hunter. There's like a million of them now. Laurel K. Hamilton. Nice. Well, you know, there's nothing wrong with reading junk food as long as you're reading. Right. So <laughs> scientifically, it still stimulates your brain the same way as reading a good reading Dostoevsky. So enjoy your fucking vampire crappy books. They're great. Awesome. <laughs> so that's a wonderful choice. See, this is why we all have different lists. So the next, so we got Raven. Okay, now the next person is Aaron Kogan. What's his pop okay. culture reference at number five? Um, mine is actually an anime. I'm uh, embarrassed to uh-huh. say that I have not read the manga it comes from, and they are different. I do know that much. Uh, but someday I really need to go into a comic book store and pick up the manga and, and read the source material. But uh, mine is D, uh, the uh, title hero from vamp- or antihero from Vampire Hunter D. Uh, Good and Vampire Hunter D uh, is just badass cool. Um, he's uh, technically not a vampire. Technically, he's a, a damn fear. He's half vampire dad and half human mom. But uh, he is, as the title might suggest, a vampire hunter, and he's well suited for it because he has the uh, vampiric characteristics. Uh, and he can do magic, and he's cool ass, and he's got a big bad sword, uh, and he's cool and stoic, and you know dubbed version or subtitles, he's just really straight laced, which is perfect for his comic foil, which happens to be his left hand, which is kind of a demon, and uh, makes fun of everything and him and also sucks like all matter into it and it's funky and it's weird and if you haven't seen it I can't recommend it enough but you've probably seen uh, the the screaming uh, face or the screaming mouth uh, with the tongue hanging out blue hand because it's big in uh, skater culture in stickers and shirts and da 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 have you seen the sequel no, I have. I have too. It's actually it's it's a different it's style. Yeah, um, Raven. Yeah. One, uh, you said you had the um, Vampire Hunter D at uh, four. Yeah. And so why don't you follow up and talk a little bit about the sequel too? <clears throat> well, they're both really hypnotic. <laughs> All of a sudden, you're sucked in before you mean to be. Um, mm-hmm. The animation they did some interesting stuff with um, layering effects in the second one. Um, and I think they also kind of upped their budget on the orchestral music because uh, it's just like every every movement has just some dramatic gothic <laughs> organs and um, flourishes. Uh, and they, they both, they're both really good. You don't really need to see two unless you've seen one, though. I wouldn't watch two mm. first. Uh, no, don't watch two first. Um, even though I guess animation style only. older one, right? The yeah. earlier, the earlier one is a little bit more of that early 
weird looking super eyed round head woman design mm-hmm. you saw back in those days uh which yeah some people there's find a little dated. more realism in the second one yeah but animation. i i the story is good on both and um the demon hand thing which i've only seen one other time uh, and it was uh an asian reference so i'm assuming it's a japanese demon of some kind that's known in their culture and not in ours right. um <clears throat> So uh, it's really weird and creepy and kind of this wild card through the whole thing. Uh, so uh, it, it, there's, there's a lot to like. Does anybody else have Vampire Hunter D on their list anywhere? Nope. No. All right. See, that's what I think about Vampire. I think all of our lists are going to be, even though it's going to be like, there's already overlap. I don't think there's going to be that mm-hmm. much overlap. Um, yeah. We might have some of the same ones in different parts of our list. So so uh, so that would be Erin Marie. You're up, number five. Of course I'd be up because I'm currently looking for my list. I'm like I had my list. I had my list. Where's my list? Where's my fucking list? <laughs> I was like, oh my god. And oh my god, my list. Give me a second. Okay, we'll give her a second. I could go. I could go. Erin Marie. I'll, yeah, I'll, go I'll, I'll, I'll go. Yes, I'll go. go. Okay. So I will go this time around, but I, I'm going to anchor the next time. But I want to say that first. Of course I, I found have dra- it. <laughs> oh, you found it? Okay, good. Yeah. Uh, but I do want to – I will say something funny. I have Dracula on my list three times, just so you know, mm. including number five. But we'll get back to it in a minute. All right, Erin Marie, go ahead. Okay. My number five, which used to be one of my favorite horror movies of all time, but I like just vampires in general, if I'm taking into account – Movies, TV, and books. And my number five favorite vampire is a movie, 1985, Chris Sarandon's Fright Night. Oh, oh good choice. Talk about yes. the ever so sexy Chris Sarandon in Fright Night. Chris Sarandon in Fright Night for me had the same effect as David Bowie's Bulge in the Labyrinth. It was more of a sexual <laughs> awakening. <laughs> Uh, I tried to explain this to him one time, and it was only the second celebrity I ever got seriously flustered with. <laughs> but, um, yeah, uh, the the whole club scene was phenomenal. But then when you put in, you know, the other characters and everything, it's just a really, really, really fun vampire movie. It's one of my favorites. Mm. There the set the scene where the very oh, when we get an introduction to his character and uh, our main character is looking at him through a window and he has the girl and the blood jumps down her cleavage and through past her belly button super oh, yeah. sexy hot shot I've always like mm-hmm. that that's how that and when the girl combusts at the end and of the Ronnie movie McDowell? always incredible oh, oh Ronnie McDowell I mean, oh my god I miss Ronnie McDowell love Ronnie McDowell I don't have fearless vampire killers on my list, um, but it would probably be in my top 20 somewhere. Um, yeah. So, uh, but, you know, Polanski loses a star automatically sometimes for obvious mm. reasons. <laughs> so, oh, <yeah. laughs> uh, so uh, all right. So that's awesome. So uh, my number five, I went classic. I mentioned I had three, I actually have Dracula 
on my list three separate times at 10, 5, hmm. and 1. So we'll talk about number one when it gets to it. But number five, believe it or not, is not what you – you're going to be surprised at what, what my number one is when I tell you number five is Christopher Lee in Horror of Dracula in 1938. Why wouldn't he be much higher on the list? Why isn't he number one? Like some people have. Well, because I like another version of Dracula more. But if you wanted <laughs> to go and see slightly sexy, super scary blood and authentically good adaptation of the Bram Stoker book, which, by the way, if I was really being honest, I would also put the book here. Because the Dracula book is actually really fucking good. And, and it's kind of like the original found footage move book, you know, because it's, it's not a narrative in the traditional sense. It's based on diary entries and letters and, and logs and things like that, you know, like people finding pieces of footage and, and trying to piece the story together. So if you've never read the Dracula book and you're listening to this show, go and read it. This is a really good time during a pandemic to pick up one of my favorite novels. Uh, But Chris Lee nails his vampire. He's scary. He's sexy. Um, The first time you see him, he just kind of walks into frame and he just takes over the whole room, Uh, you know, and, and it leads to. The, one of the best duos of all time, Chris Lee and Peter Cushing. I mean, you couldn't get a better, more chemistry-laden, angry, sexual frustration, want to murder each other, and, kill, and, and take over the world combination than those two guys. I mean, they really were like, you know, once in a while they flipped the script and then Peter Cushing would play the bad guy. It still worked, but when, when Chris Lee was the bad guy, Peter Cushing was the Van Helsing, total gold. And, Bride, and, and Brides of Dracula is actually one of my favorite of the Chris Lee movies that isn't horror of Dracula. So shout out to Brides of Dracula, too, though that's not on my list. But I would also say that's worth your time as well. Anybody else want to talk about Chris Lee? Who doesn't want to talk sure about Chris Lee? bring that whole aris, aristocratic count uh, to characteristic to the fore. I mean, when I think of him, I think of him ramrod spine and those god what must have been just horrible to wear, god-awful red contact lenses and just, yeah, he, he was a badass. And, and and I like his performances ultimately more than Lugosi's in the sense that he d- never forgets that there's a monster involved. When Lugosi is more playing up the aristocratic aristocracy count at, most of the time, Chris Lee is always there to destroy you. Never once feels safe around Chris Lee. And I don't think there's any movie I ever felt safe watching when Chris Lee was in there. When, when he played Saruman, I was like, oh, I even knew what was going to happen, and I was still scared for Gandalf. So <laughs> I was like, it's Chris Lee. He's going to kick his ass. And he did. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah. you know, yeah, so um, does anybody don't else have them on their I'm sorry, go ahead. <laughs> I said don't mess with metalheads. <laughs> no, don't mess with metalheads. Anybody else have Chris <laughs> Lee on their list anywhere? Yeah. No. She's a little farther down in my top ten. What, where is he for you? Uh, he's probably right, actually, uh, at 10 in a double at feature. 10? Excellent. Yeah. Okay, cool. So I'm glad I wasn't the only one. All right, so we're flipping back around. Er, back in Charleston, West Virginia. <laughs> Number four. Go for it. 
Okay, some okay. Um, hold on one second. I just did something. Can you flip around to somebody else real quick? Oh, well, this is a really professional show tonight. All right, Ray. Hold on one second. I it only off. happens okay, when I tell okay, people to listen and they tune in. <laughs> <laughs> it's only when we have listeners. Don't okay, worry. I have mine. Um, <laughs> I thought I had a problem there. I do have okay, mine. I apologize. Okay. I thought I had a problem. Jeez, okay, man. <laughs> Everyone's like, listen, I'm just, this is shit. <laughs> I mean, I lost my notes once when this was going down, too. So, all I that. Thought I all right. And I panicked as all this happened. It was right here. It was right here. All right. I just breathe. Panicked. Okay. Take uh, a deep just, breath. Take a deep breath, which you should be doing anyways, because that actually helps prevent, well, helps keep the coronavirus off. Deep breath, right? Hmm. Keep your lungs healthy. That's good. All right. Mm-hmm. All right. Number four. Left the right hand. I love that movie. It is um, one of the most beautiful films. I think is uh, I can't remember the guy's name that did it, but um, it's all the snow. You get this small isolated area. Was it Norway? I think. And the <laughs> yeah, Sweden. 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 I have. Yeah, is it Sweden. I could. Yeah. Let the right one in, right? Is that what? Because I missed. Yeah. Yeah. Ellie. Oh, yeah, it's Ellie, yeah. uh, yeah, right? Ellie, yeah, yeah. 2008, the last, last great years for horror. That was, was an amazing year for horror. Um, so, talk it's about Swedish. it. The, and it's all the, the, the it's Sweet. all the emotional, <laughs> but the, you know, it's all this, like the emotional kind of bond between the kids. I I find so. this movie really really sad. Like I I I I I, oh, I always feel. It, it, the ending of the of Let the Right One In is one of the most poetically sad mo- things I've ever seen. And I'm not talking about the big violent moment. I'm talking about the very mm. end on the train. It wrecks me oh, every gosh, yeah. fucking time because the it's just the, the just what what's about to happen to this kid is is it worse or better than what he was going through? I mean, it it, it was. It, it, it's a pretty devastating movie. I mean, there's a lot, and and the girl is so sad and and beautiful. Uh, anybody else have the, the let the right one in or the sequel? We can talk about yeah. the sequel if you have it. Yes, Raymond, where do you have it? Uh, number three. Number three. Ooh, oh, okay. nice. So you're gonna have another choice soon, then. Excellent. Uh, what do you love about it? Um. Well, what I what I didn't love is when I first watched it, they, Amazon had white subtitles and everything snow. Oh, Jesus. Um, and there was no option to change the color at the time. Wow. So I watched it in Swedish with no subtitles for most of the movie the first time through. <laughs> and then the next time I rented a disc so that I could have subtitles. I could actually see um, the Swedish language itself and the, just the landscape of this rural community is absolutely beautiful. Um, but there's something really romantic about everything that's sad in it. And there's mm-hmm. something that's sad about everything that's romantic. in it. Yep. Um, and it, and it finds a really reasonable balance between the two, but it's, even though, um, uh, it's not really chugging along. It's not really a fast paced film. I never felt like I was going like, hurry up and happen already. Um, it's, it's, it's a pleasure. It's a delight, even though it's sad. 
and, and, and you know, it, it, but like you said, it's very poetic and romantic at the same time. I mean, it's it's really the whole movie is like a poem, with the exception of maybe the cat sequence, right. <laughs> which is like uh, kind of out of place compared to the rest of it. Um, but um, there's there's so much to like here. Um, I didn't make my top ten, but I I thought about it. She almost did. She'd be very high, like maybe 11 or 12. I love her to death. Uh, I was trying not to have too many kid vampires in my in my list because I tend to like to have kid vampires in my list a lot. Okay. Whacking kids, yeah. turning kids into vampires, into zombies. I'm all about that. Uh, so, uh, I mean, I did it to my kid all the time. <laughs> Turn her into zombie, evil doll, whatever the fuck I wanted. Um, so, uh, now that Steve, do you have anything you want to say? Add to this before we move. Skillet Raven, do her number four. Yeah, flip it over to Raven. I just um, <clears throat> that movie is very beautiful and sad. It, it just you're, the ending is like the worst possible thing for that kid. You were saying, and it just every time this one kills me. It, it, it is maybe the worst, but is it or is it not? I mean, the situation that the kid was in the, was yeah. pretty terrible. But what she what he's about to face. We already saw it. We saw what was going to what the end game was, and it's not a pleasant ending. Uh, but they'll have time together, and that's what the beautiful yeah. part is. There will be a period of time where they will love each other. Uh, but you know, people grow up. Peter Pan doesn't. Uh, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. So. Right. That's All right, Raven. So yeah. Now, who has her list ready to go? Uh, number I do. four. So my four was Vampire Hunter D, and my three was Let the Right One In. Yeah, so you um, can pick something else lower on your list or an honorable mention for both of these rounds. Can do. So um, I also had I had Fright Night as an honorable mention. Okay, um, cool. Nice. And But mostly because of the script. Um, <laughs> there is no better line than, you're so cool, Brewster. That's <laughs> true. Best line ever. Um, so I'll do my number six. Um, again, not really a fan of the actual vampires, but when it comes to soundtrack and score and oiled men playing saxophone, you got to hand it to the Lost Boys. <laughs> yes, yeah. you do got to hand it to the Lost Boys. I mean, you have to hand it to the Lost Boys. Because guess what? Cry little sisters, oh. that's right. Yeah. <laughs> I got to see them perform this live at the second horror convention I ever went to. Um, so tell me, what do you like the Last Boys? Because, I mean, I can tell you why I like the Last Boys. I have, one, one of the reasons is because I used to live in the Bay Area, and I would go to the Santa Cruz Boardwalk every weekend. And it was nice to imagine that maybe those vampires were there, and I could, you know, not have to go to school and stuff and be a vampire instead. Um, and there's also uh, the cave that they were in. You're eating maggots, Michael. That cave oh, is on yeah. Panther Beach, uh, which used to, used to be able to go in there and hang out and smoke weed, I, I read somewhere. Uh, but now it's, <laughs> the water level is too high and you can't get in. But um, oh. it made, it was like the first movie where it's like, I know exactly where that store is. That person actually works in that store. Uh, so I felt like almost I was famous because <laughs> I knew the location. Um, and then, I, of course, 
just like the organ, the circus organ music has always, like, I still listen to that just walking to the store. It's great. I uh, knew that my family uh, was friends with the people that own the house that they shot in. Nice. So uh, there's a lot of stories about that shoot that they didn't know until after the fact. They didn't even know they were going to, because, you know, they built a set. So sometimes the exterior shots are a set, but the interiors are an actual house. They did right. not know that they were going to run a truck through their house. Oh. <laughs> they didn't know. <laughs> they didn't know till after. Yeah, that's a good thing to find out. Well, but you know, they fixed everything. So, but uh, the house didn't need that much tweaking to look as eccentric as it did. Um, so, uh, you know, it, that's what I love about the Bay Area. Those houses up in the hills up in 17, because you know exactly where that is, Raven. Those mm-hmm. weird houses up there. We thought mm-hmm. in that area. Um, I love Santa Cruz. I love this movie. Um, David and Michael tied at number seven for me because nice. they are definitely the yin and yang of the young Liz Gray libido club, especially Jason Patrick in, that, in this movie. Instant, instant love. Like, I don't know. Does anybody else, like, remember the crush they had on Jason Patrick when they first saw this movie? Does anybody? Oh, oh, I yeah. Sure the fuck oh yeah. Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah, definitely. Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, he had that—he had that whole really sexy kind of, um, I mean, Jim Morrison thing going on for him because of the poster and everything in the game. Uh-huh. It was just fabulous. I really wanted him to play Jim Morrison over over uh, uh, Val Kilmer for the Doors movie, and he was on the short list, but he didn't get it. Uh, but uh, that would have been cool. But, and then Kiefer Sutherland, I mean, come on. I mean, he never looked sexier than he did as David. <laughs> I mean, and, and these are, yeah. Okay, I disagree with that. <laughs> okay, we're, 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 okay. I, had, I, I haven't seen 24. I'm sure he's hot in that, too. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I like but, I, I'll go with Flatliners, Kiefer. Oh, but, but yeah, that's no doubt. But that's just, that's not that long past this, right? Less, I mean, he was, I know, but it's just less mullet to deal with. It's a less extreme mullet. I just that's can't true. He, to that he much. is rocking the eighty-seven, nineteen era, yeah. nineteen circa eighty-seven. I mean, this is a nineteen eighty-seven movie. You look at this yeah. movie, hmm. and it is an eighties film in all the right ways, in the sense that the score is definitely eighties, but there's no one super recognizable on it. Um, everybody's dressed to the nines. Well, <laughs> Bill has pressed the next time. Well, brilliant. Uh, yeah. So, uh, in the Frog Brothers, he had the Corys. Did yeah. anybody see the Cory documentary that came out? As a side note here, since we're no. on air, I didn't watch it. No, I heard it crash no, the server. No. no, I was wondering. No, you know, okay, so none of us are interested. That's probably a good thing. Uh, but yeah, Last Boys is amazing. Anybody else have Last Boys? Like, a lot of people do that Lost Boys versus Near Dark thing, but honestly, I, I always lean a little bit more towards Lost Boys, even though and, Near Dark is oh, yeah. a pretty darn good film with some really good actors in it. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. Lost Boys. Problem, so my problem with Near Dark is the fact that I saw it as an adult. Same here. <laughs> Me if too. If I seen it as a teenager, I would have, you know, That's gone exactly for the love how I a feel. lot more. Yeah. Hmm. But because I saw it as an adult, I was rooting for the vampires more. Like, Bill Paxton fucking killed in that bar scene. I love that. Yep. But, but some, it didn't even Some people would have him on their top five favorite vampire list. 
So he's on uh, if, we were, if I was going to vampire, that was absolutely he's on What number is he at, Steve? He's right at the top of mine. I put him at number one to kind of be a jerk, but I don't know if he's like my favorite <laughs> vampire. But I do, after I've heard you guys knock on your dark for a minute, I'm just like, oh well, I'll just keep that to I myself. I do love a great dark. choice. No, I, I'm just kidding. I saw it when I, I did see it when I was a teenager, though, and I, it was just one of those movies when I was first, like, really getting into horror that somebody was like, oh, yeah, like, it was always positive, like, it was kind of the harder option, and, you know, I was 16, though, I just think it's it's still a lot of fun, but Bill Paxton really is mean in that movie, like, it's a really, uh, it's a really cool, like you said, that bar scene, that's, that's still pretty intense. I watched it probably a year ago, and just seeing how it would hold up. Some of it, it doesn't have the charisma that the Lost Boys have. I, I like, and there's just so many more reasons why so many more people would like the Lost Boys. It's just, you know, but um, uh, Near Dark it does have that just kind of mean streak that I'd like. Um, so yeah, yeah uh, Bill Paxton, Severin, I think he has his name in that. So yeah, I put that right up at the top of mine. I couldn't help it. Oh, great. Well then, well I'll tell you what. When we get to number one, you can talk about something else if you want to. So since you talked about it now, so I'll give you that pass. I have, I have a runner-up. We'll see. Okay. Somebody so, will probably say I'll do. All right. So uh, kind of lost. That was Raven, Lost Boys, which is cool. That was all right. All right. Um, so Aaron Kogan, we're up. Um, I know mine is not a popular choice in the horror community, but I really, really, really adore Tilda Swinton, Tom Hiddleston, John Hurt in Only Lovers Left Alive, uh, Adam, Eve, and Christopher Marlowe. And, um, yeah, I got some grief for liking it when we were doing The, the Madness before because yeah, uh, I don't think anyone else likes it. <laughs> but, it, it's, um, just, it it's not that I don't like it. I actually am a huge fan of Yim Yarmush, and I can handle his yeah. slow pace. I just thought it was a little really, really, really bleak and slow, and that's my problem with it's it. It's not bleak. It's romantic. Okay, it's romantic. Bleak house romantic it level. <laughs> it is romantic. It's so anyway, also yeah, really a cool fucking design. I mean, the the vampires yeah. are the cool-looking vampires. <laughs> so, Tilda's white dreads, not many people can get away with that, you know? Oh, I, <laughs> I, I love Tilda and everything, but yeah. Yeah, I know. I was like, and, and what's cool is and what we do with the shadows, she was playing that character, which I thought was mm-hmm. awesome. I mean, how many people would have actually known that other than geeks? I mean, <laughs> really. Exactly. Five. Six. I mean, people obviously would know who Danny Trejo is, right? And Wesley Snipes, but you know, like, and they know who Tilda Swinton is, but nobody's seen Lovers Left Alive except for this poor group of people. Um, <laughs> so, it's, who, who, it's pretty. Um, so, anybody else have Lovers Yummy Armish Lovers Left Alive on their list somewhere? No. Aaron, I'm with you. I have it as a runner up. I love I didn't know anybody else. Oh, right on. Yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, I love yeah, I love it. Yeah. Nice. Thanks. I got so mm-hmm. much grief 
for liking that. No, uh, I'll stand on the hill with you. We can die there <laughs> together. You. I, I, I wouldn't you grief for liking it, but, I mean, it, it just wasn't my cup of tea. I found it, like Liz, very bleak and kind of slow and uh, very boring. <laughs> oh, it's romantic and it's, ah. you know, talking philosophy and, yeah, no, it's cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I really should give it a second shot because, I, like I said, I, I there's never been a Yim Yarmush film that I haven't liked until that one. So maybe mm. I was not in the right mood for it because, I mean, I love everything. I mean, I've seen every single Yim Yarmush movie and I've seen about a, few, a handful of them in the theaters even. Um, I, you know, he's one of my favorite directors and that I didn't like his vampire movie. I still haven't seen his his zombie movie that came out last year. Uh, you know, so I, I know no, I gotta, I gotta get on that. So I gotta Watch get on it. that. I haven't seen Zombieland yeah. two either. So I mean, I'm I'm behind on a lot of movies. So right. uh, yeah. get it together. Shame. I know. I'm. I'm. I am catching up with the Good Place. I'm in season three right now. So uh, that that has actually been my pandemic binge. Is the Good Place. Mm-hmm. So nice. So, uh, a good choice for a pandemic right, so, watch. Erin Marie, number four. My number four is Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the TV series. Yay. I didn't actually I, get... I fucking love Spike. I fuck yep. Angel all in the ass. Because <laughs> <laughs> he, uh, he had that whole brooding sulky Twilight thing going on before Twilight was a thing. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Spike was incredible. The The series itself was just so freaking good, so funny. Um, and I just love it. That's definitely my number four on Vampire's List. I have Spike at number six on my list. So... Uh, I'm right there with you. <laughs> so, and yeah, Drusilla um, gets a shout out too. I can't talk about Spike without Drusilla. Drusilla and the Master. I really loved the Master's comedy and everything, and just uh, he 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 kind of cracked my shit up a lot. <laughs> I mean, really, it's a I, shout I out to Joss Whedon's writing. Oh, so seven. Amen. Everyone, how anybody seven. else have Buffy? But three of us did. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, Spike, Spike and the Master and honorable mention to Drusilla. I I like the Spike's introduction in the in the in the season in the in the series is gold. It's season two, and he just pulls up in a car and he just steps out and throws on the leather jacket and walks in, and that's it. <clears throat> it's, but it's like he just walked into scene. Like here I am. <laughs> you know, I was just like, I'm on board immediately with that. So, uh, and, and season two is really when Buffy started figuring out to do the long arcing narrative. They were trying to do it, they didn't know how to do it, but once they really got their shit together in season two, and there's some some of Josh Whedon's best writing is in Buffy the Vampire uh, Slayer series. I still feel yeah. that to this day that some of his best work is still on that show. So, yay to the showrunners, right? Uh, so, uh, all right. So we got Spike, and then my number four um, is a book is a is a movie and book. I like both first both interpretations. I mentioned how I was, we talked about let the right um, let let the right one in. Um, I I had to go deeper because my favorite kid vampire of all time would have to be Claudia 
from Interview with Anne Rice, mm. Interview with the Vampire uh, book, and of course the 1989 Neil Jordan movie, which is marginally successful. I think its first half is way better than the second half. A lot of it has to do with Kirsten Dunst's performance as Claudia. Uh, really fucking good yeah. uh, performance from such a young girl. She was 12 at the time she did that. It's a lot to put on a 12-year-old girl, a character that heavy. Uh, in the book, she's even more vicious than she is in, this, in the movie. Uh, absolutely one of the most fun characters. One of my first costumes I did in Halloween as I went as Claudia mm. in a costume contest That's back awesome. in the day. So uh, I absolutely adore Claudia. And the whole Anne Rice series is pretty good. I, I was actually teching around because Lestat gets, gets all the flashiness. Um, but mm-hmm. I actually have always been more allied with Lewis, the vampire who whistles out loud and walks past you and, like, like a normal person. And you never know that he's, he's thinking about eating you. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. uh, so... Uh, <clears throat> I, I really, but Claudia always, because, of, you know, when I first read her, I was the age she was when she was turned. Uh, I always felt a, a, a deep affection for Claudia. So, anybody else have any Anne Rice floating around their, their lists? Number one. I've got Louis yeah. Oh, and, number one. And uh, Lestat, yeah. Ah. But, but just the novels. Just the novels, not the movies. The movies are okay. But they're nothing like oh my god! Uh, Interview with a vampire the is amazing. God, uh, Lewis is oh. amazing, yeah. uh, especially in the first book. Um, so yeah, I know uh, Anne Rice. Uh, I, uh, not always my go-to read, but always an option in my life to read Anne Rice novels. Mm. So. Nice. Um, <laughs> All right, so we're to number three, going back to Steve, and um, go up. All right, number three, I've actually got Gary Oldman. I'm sorry, not Gary Oldman. I'm sorry, that's not even correct. I was just reading the title. Uh, Coppola's Dracula, when I was a kid, there's the transformation of Lucy, uh, which was terrifying, and it was very sexual in a weird way. And I saw that movie. And she gets raped by a werewolf. Yeah, yeah, a werewolf that bear. That's you when you're eight. Yeah, <laughs> but it's very. Um, but on top of that, <laughs> I always thought that when she is full, when she's dead, the scene I always still remember that's, you know, even more pleasant than that is the, the when they see her in the graveyard and she's in all white and they go down into the crypt and they have to behead her and it's her new husband and his friends that have to do so. That is. That is the epitome of that movie to me, and that was a big – that movie is – when I was a little kid, I probably would have said that movie was amazing, um, but, uh, you know, it, it, it has its flaws and it has its strengths, but I think there's certain things about it that are just breathtaking to look at, and that scene is just perfect, and she always scared me even more than Gary Oldman. Uh, that is what I remembered from childhood that would kind of maybe – from that movie maybe keep me up or just kind of scare me a little bit with her. So she, oh, Lucy, I can't remember her name. Not right. Lucy, Lucy preyed on kids. Yeah. 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 She's rather terrifying. And yeah, no, uh, the, the, the Lucy in, in Gary Oldman's vampire movie and Coppola's movie. Oh, yowza. <laughs> you know, I was like, Wait, uh, my whole family yeah. had to go see it together, and when the when the wolf when the wolf was raping her in the graveyard, uh, my mom was like, 
of the genre it's in, it does really well. It's an A plus there. But when you compare it, it to almost any other movie, it probably won't win. It's a good one to put on if we're no longer social distancing. You have a party and everyone's slightly drunk and high. It's a really good exactly. one to put on. So sure. <laughs> that's good. I, I doubt ever, anybody else has it on the list, but kudos for you, dude, <laughs> man. I, I'm so excited about that. Where was the actual? <clears throat> where did it rest on your actual top ten? Do you have it ranked? It's on my. It's number eight. Number eight. Excellent. So. All right. That's great. I'm so excited. Aaron Kogan, what is your number three? My number three is Marceline, the Vampire Queen. Nice. From Adventure Aww. Time. Oh, Adventure um, Time. I, <laughs> I loved Adventure Time. I freaking adore Adventure Time. And uh, uh, she's a weird fucking character in it. I mean, she she really can turn on a dime and freak me out. Uh, but she also plays some really good music. And uh, I, I love her arc um, going from when she was just a, a little kid, uh, you know, a thousand years before the series starts, back before the Mushroom Wars, um, all the way through. She's, uh, her again, she's not a traditional vampire. Her mom's human. Her dad is... Uh, the demon lord of the night verse, but she does end up a, a vampire. So she, she really is a vampire. She's the last vampire in Ooh, and she's a great character and the series is great and her songs are great. And yeah. I'm a softie. And they, they ended her character in the finale in the right spot. A lot of people yeah. felt that. Yeah. So that was good. So, oh, I, I noticed a lot of us had women in number in this slot, uh, four and three, which is kind of cool. Um, so, cause there's a lot more, unfortunately, a lot more male vampire representation than women vampire representation. Mm. We're always killed off like a third into the film. <laughs> you know, so, right? oh, I like Lucy, yeah. you know, so, um, like Lucy, all right. Lucy. Yep. All right. Aaron Marie, your number three. My number three, uh, I remember seeing for the first time at a boyfriend's house when I was 16 years old, and they had all three of the original trilogy, and I fucking fell in love with Radu and Subspecies from uh, nice. Full Moon Enterprises. I love the Subspecies series. I mean, he's just one of those vampires that's so creepy but funny and weird, and he's got these fucking weird long fingers, and he just drools more than he drinks. I mean... <laughs> But I always found that series really entertaining. I, I love their their uh, vampires, and the sets are gorgeous because they filmed in, in real castles, I think Romania, I believe. So, yeah, subspecies. Subspecies. You know, well, I've so only I'm... seen the first one. I've never seen any of the others. I haven't seen, like, four, and I think there's maybe six of them. But the the original trilogy is great. I watch them every once in a while. My friend um, at my old job in at the archives, we became friends because I noticed he had a sideshow replica of subspecies on his desk. <laughs> and I was like, I know what that is. Uh, you know, we became friends. Turns out, you know, he was the only other person pretty much in the archive I could talk 
cult movies with. Um, and it was, you know, Gene Morris, shout out. I kind of miss him. That person. <laughs> yeah. And we worked right opposite each other uh, most of the day. So it was really cool. So subspecies. That's a good choice. I'm really glad when that one comes up because that one gets overlooked a lot. Yeah. Well, I mean, during the 90s was like the heyday of Charles Band there with Puppet Master and um, Subspecies. And there's like a whole bunch of series that were just fantastic. And Subspecies (laughs) is definitely one of my favorites. But it was also one of the ones that didn't have dolls in it. (laughs) (laughs) Cheesy, cheesy bad doll. And I love dolls, don't get me wrong. But most of the Puppet Master movies are... Yeah, okay. Uh, so uh, my only if, my only complaint about subspecies is that they changed the actress from the first movie to the second two. Um, they did that with Hatchet, and you know they've done it with a few movies. It, it, it's it's sometimes a necessary evil. You know, you can't get her back. Something's gone. Schedule it. You don't know. You know. So, but um, cool. So so my number three, I went mainstream, but. And I tied it because at first I put the one person down and I'm like, you really can't talk about him without his partner. And so at number three, I have True Blood and it is Eric Northman and Pan Dubufort. That's a lot to say. But Eric and Pam are the best comic vampire duo to grace the screen. I got through eight fucking seasons of True Blood because of Eric Northman and Pam and sometimes was the only thing that kept me going in the back half. True Blood is one of the most angering experiences I've had with the show. Something I absolutely fell in love with that completely I felt betrayed me and every woman who's ever read a Charlene Harris book. Um, Eric Northman in the books is just as cool. Pam is not as cool as she is in the TV show, but she's got a lot of story arcs that are pretty interesting as well. But Sookie Eric Northman Flair in the books, and she's actually friends with Sookie in the books. Whereas yeah, Pam she's in the much nicer in the books. She, you know, she, she, she's a lot, a di- very different character in the books. Eric Northman is Eric Northman. Uh, you know, when, when, when the first shot of Eric Northman in the first episode, and they, they go to Fangor, they go to Fanga- uh, Fantasia, and, and he's sitting on the throne, and I go, that's Eric, and I, Alexander Skarsgård. Oh my God, that was my first time seeing that man. And I've been walking, you know, I just wish he would stop doing shows where he's raping Nicole Kidman. I really don't like him raping people because uh, I love him so much and I love watching his shows and I follow him to the ends of the earth. But his, he plays these horrid characters and everything else. But Eric Northman was the perfect Viking vampire and he's gorgeous and he's beautiful. And they ended on top with owning the world. Uh, and so I, I, I will give. True Blood, a slight pass for giving Pam and Eric a, a wonderful ending and a great cohesive story arc. Um, spoiler: Anybody else read the Charlene Harris books in this group? No. I know that. I think. So no, I, I read the read first all, one. I have read all but the last two. Like so, I've I've read I think eleven. Um, I have read them all. Uh, the first season of True Blood is actually a pretty close adaptation of the book, of the first novel, and the second one's yeah. pretty close too. Third kind of goes mm-hmm. off the rails, and you start, and, and they really. Betray, my favorite book is the fourth book. That book is fun as fuck. 
It's also the first time that Sookie and Eric Northman hook up. Uh, and, and they yeah. start following the, the plot of that book in the fourth season, which I was so excited because I was like, yeah, they're going to do my book. I get to meet Quinn, the were-tiger. And they totally botched it in the back half, including the sex scene with Eric Northman. And, and I was like, come on. You had one thing to do. Hot sex scene. Sookie, Eric Northman. I've been waiting four seasons for it, and it did, it only kind of happened, you know. Considering how sexy the show was up until this point, I was kind of a little up, let down. But like I said, Eric Northman though got me through seven seasons of crap, um, and some with great moments. But ultimately, I found True Blood rather lacking. But I would never will find Eric Northman lacking. Does anybody else have Eric Northman and Pam on their list anywhere, or True Blood? Um, True Blood is definitely on my list. It's my number 10 because I absolutely loved the first season of the show, which... Yeah, me too. The the whole reason I started watching, I mean, reading the books was because I had to find out who the killer was. I couldn't fucking wait every week to find out who the killer was in the first season. So I ended up reading the books and loving them more and then just getting really pissed off at the show that they went so fucking campy with it. That's cool. Um, <laughs> it's not everyone has it at 10. I have it at 3. Excellent. So that's beautiful. Um, all right. So we're, ooh, we're over to number two. So, Steve, let's get on with it. Bring it home. All right. Uh, getting on with it is number two, one of my favorite movies. Uh, I just think it oozes cool, The Hunger. Uh, David Bowie's David Blaylock in that movie, and I love that character. He's very sad. He's world-weary. You know, he's in, he, this idea of him being immortal, but he starts to age, and um, yeah, he just kind of explores, like, what happens when you still kind of, the same problems kind of come into immortality um, with people and sex and relationships, and it's got Bauhaus in the opening, and I always thought that movie was just a whole different kind of cool and I love David Bowie in it. So David Blaylock from The Hunger. Right on. Number Good. two. Also, shout out to an excellent score. Beautiful, beautiful score in that movie. And Catherine Deneuve shines in everything she does. So yes, you she know, does. we love. Oh my God. The Belle de Jour herself. Um, anybody else have <laughs> liked The Hunger? And actually, they're supposed to be, re- I, I don't know if it just came out, but Shout Factory was about to release a really nice version of it, finally. Because there's not a lot of good copies of it out there, uh, so oh, that would look be great. for that. It's streaming. Yeah. It's, it's streaming yeah, but, on Criterion right now, and the copy is really good. Oh, that's good. Now, so Criterion is always a good thing to stream. Anybody else have the hunger? All right. How about no, you, Ray? It would be in my top twenty for sure, but it's not on my top yeah. ten or honorable mention. Honorable yep. mention. Raven, what is your number two? My number two is in honor of the, I think, the best representation of a transformation um, between um, uh, a human turning into a vampire. Um, And it starts with a bowl of french fries uh, and ends up in throwing up blood. And the film version of what we do in the shadows with the bitchinest bat fight you will ever see in your life. <laughs> so the, the movie version was number one the year it came out on my list. So I love that movie. 
Why is it so good, Raven? Tell them. Please tell us why it's so good. I need to remind myself. (laughs) I think that when you get into a specific genre and kind of watch a whole bunch in a row, (laughs) as our group of friends tend to do, you start noticing the questions in the back of your head are always there. Um, And kind of your the suspense of disbelief is played with in this film. Um, So the justifications for why things are, are pretty reasonable and they're pretty boring, which makes it just all that much better. And that the subjects um, are all just really interesting and likable characters. There isn't one subject that I wouldn't be happy to go down a rabbit trail with to see what their storyline is. It's just really likable people and um, very lighthearted as well, but bitchin', some bitchin' special effects as well. I, I just think the whole thing of them trying to go clubbing and getting someone to invite them into the club but nobody's doing it is just I just think about it and it just makes me smile. <laughs> right. Like, yeah. It's just, you know, just we little things like land. that. Yeah. I yeah, everyone's seen those guys. <laughs> yeah. It's just it's just amazing. Um it, it, you can't it, it's on Netflix and just watch that shit. I mean, uh, it, that's one of those movies mm. that never gets old. So, <laughs> I mean, heck, the TV show made us all happy, you know. We're talking about vampires on our show because of it. Um so uh it's a good choice. Now, Aaron Cogan, you're up. All right, my number <sighs> two is again a, a weird thing. Um, there's this movie that's uh, lost to uh, time and, and fire called London After Midnight, and oh, in yeah. this movie, there's this character who looks like a vampire, and he's meant to look like a vampire, but he's not actually a vampire. And it's very complicated about what he is, and da da da. But the whole thing is Lon Chaney did some amazing fucking makeup. And he's just this mouth of teeth. And he did these weird things with his, um, uh, with his eyes, uh, with metal springs and uh, early, early contacts. And he just, he freaks me the fuck out. And then on top of that, uh, Basil Gogos, the, the late, great, Basil Gogos, who was uh, an artist primarily known for his covers of Famous Monsters of Filmland, uh, which is kind of what got me really hooked on the classic monsters way, way back in the day, and Kaiju and da-da-da. He did a cover with the man in the beaver hat, as he's called, the the Lon Chaney character with all these teeth. And it just gave me nightmares forever. So uh, even though he's not really an actual vampire, He's meant to look like a vampire, so he's my number two. Interesting. All right. So um, I haven't talked about film in a long time. Wow. Um, um, really, if I remember right, the cinematography is off the chain on that one too, right? TCM um, recently, like in the last five years, seven years, did a version of London After Midnight when some more stills had been discovered. And so, you know, they took the, the – screenplay and what little tiny bits of clips of, of the film that they have and stills and a lot of text and some, because it was a silent, um, a lot of music 
and they put it together as sort of a film. I don't know what they called it, and that's out there. But the the actual film, London After Midnight, burned up in, uh, gosh, what studio's film vault was it in the 50s, early, early 50s? So it's gone. As far as we know, there is no copy of London After Midnight anywhere on planet Earth. I bet you they'll find it. I bet you they'll find it. Because you know that it's one of those things. There's there's been these people, and I guess with the coronavirus pandemic, they're probably on. Yeah, they 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 go looking all over, and they found they found things that have been supposedly don't exist, like the final Metropolis cut that was found in Brazil or something. Like it's always somewhere random. Uh, So we we can hold out hope that there's a there's a print hiding somewhere. Fingers crossed. Yeah, so we'll hope so. Um, let's see. So now we're to Aaron Marie's number two. My number two is a tie. And it's basically the same as Raven's number two. What we do in the Shadows movie and TV series. Oh. So, so I would say we talked about those enough, so throw, throw something else out. I'll go to my number seven, which is also my other tie. Um, Night Watch and Day Watch. They're Russian movies. I don't know. Good choice. Yeah. They, the I mean, Night Watch, really but I haven't good. watched Day Watch. Day Watch is Day as good Watch as Night Watch. Is fabulous. Oh my God, it's like an action <laughs> movie. It is so good. It, but it, it, um, it, I think the thing that impressed me most was in the ending of the first movie. The bad guy literally rips his own spine out and uses it as a sword and it is fucking cool i mean just everything about those movies are fabulous i i I just i was in awe of them when i first saw them so much so that i ended up buying our friend who enjoys russian literature the book (laughs) nice uh i i read both books matter of fact my one of my favorite birthdays is my library got me a unopened Freshly minted copy of Daywatch. I was the first person to crack the spine. I was like, "Yeah!" And and I highly, Erin Marie, highly recommend reading the books. The books are really oh, I've, good. I've read, I've read the first one. I have. Yeah, it. the second one's the, <laughs> the second one's more like short stories compared to the first one, which is more of a longer book novel. But it's it's still like there's still an over arc. Um, and it's it's I, I really enjoy those. I I wish there were more of them. To be honest, I I would read more of those books. Uh, the universe they invented is, is it makes sense. Like the gloom, the concept of the gloom, and all that. I I've seen it in other films, but not be described. And it's kind of the first time they've described yeah. the, the ethereal plane in a way that people could understand it, which I thought was kind of cool. Um, you know, so. Um, there's a lot going on in uh, uh, Day Watch also uh, in the or Night Watch in the theaters had the coolest and it's really hard to find a cut of it. There was only they only released w- one DVD printing. They did special subtitling for Night Watch in the theaters and and it and it, it it actually made it even better. I had already seen it. I actually had bought a copy from this Russian DVD. Um, dealer in Brooklyn when I was living there. So I'd actually already seen it, but I wanted to go see it with the subtitling and it was so neat. Like, like, like it would, it would dissipate like, like 
air, puffs of air and come hithers would wave and they would follow them kind of like like cartoon awesome. characters would. Uh, it, it was just, it's really, really cool. So I highly recommend trying to find an older version of Nightwatch to find the original subtitling. So fucking good. Uh, so, uh, and, and uh, the good and evil thing is also uh, at play here. What is good? What is evil? You know, and, yeah, and is it our, it, you know, is it, is it nature or nurture that makes you a good or a bad person? There's people that turn into owls, uh, you know, and uh, there's vampires everywhere, uh, witches, which Russians love their witches, um, you know, so it, it, it's, it's a, I love this. I love that to death. So good choice. Um, my number two, which is actually weirdly kind of my number one as well. And it'll make sense in a minute. Uh, number two is kind of tied, but kind of not. Um, I wanted to talk about Max Shrek, the character himself, which is the oh, original yeah. vampire in, in Nosferatu. But that yeah. it, I don't, the move we're on. That's not my choice, but obviously the black and white silent Nosferatu is an influence to millions of people and filmmakers and writers for century, you know, for a century. Okay, you know, people, that character has defined what the scary vampire is. Now, move to year 2000, and my butt is in the seats for my favorite version of Max Shrek, and that is William Defoe's Max Shrek from the movie Shadows of the Vampire, which is one of my favorite vampire films of all time. Uh, it's actually just a brilliant film. Uh, I don't know if anybody else in this group has seen Shadow of the Vampire. Oh yeah, I own it. It's 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 oh, William yeah. Defoe, William Defoe and John Malkovich. And Max, Eddie Izzard, William thank Defoe you. as Max Shrek. <laughs> Oh my God! There's so much good about this movie, and it's one of those performances for the ages. The vampire is old and lonely, and is reaching for help for humanity, but knows that he will destroy it. Yet, and that makes him even more angry and frustrated, and he becomes more unpredictable as the story goes on. But then, once again, the real question, like all great horror films, is who's worse, the humans or the monster that they woke? They awoke, um, and. Well, and Mark, John Malkovich's character at the very end of this movie is truly one of the most disturbing moments in a movie. I, and there's just something really off-putting about the finale of, of, of Shadow of the Vampire. And you actually feel a lot of empathy towards, um, towards Max Shrek in this movie. Uh, but he's still terrifying. And it's a beautiful film, beautifully shot. The opening credits immediately got your attention. And I... So, so recommend this movie. Uh, does anybody else have, I know some Raven said she's seen it. Uh, anybody else have it on their list? Honorable mention. Honorable mention. Yeah. So, well, I would say watch it now. I don't know. Is it available? I haven't even seen if it's available for streaming. We sure. have I can check. I don't know if it's available. It's sometimes um, hard Ver- to find. Werner Herzog said, um, Nosferatu is the most important German film ever. Um, he would be right. <laughs> Some people yeah. might say it's Metropolis, but I would say it's, I would agree with him. I think it's Nosferatu. Uh, so, um, and we'll get back to Werner Herzog um, later in a few minutes. <clears throat> uh, <laughs> ah, okay. Aha, uh-huh, hint, hint. 
so that was my number two is Max Trick, Shadows of Vampire. And uh, so we are now to our number ones. Some of the number ones have already taken, so we'll cut, take lower from the list. Um, so what was your number one again, Steve, to remind everybody? Near Dark, uh, Severance, Bill Paxton. That's, that's right. So what would you, so we talked about him for a few. So what would you like mm-hmm. your number, what else would you like to talk about? We get one final choice tonight. Uh, uh, well, I'll just pick something. One of the only things on my list that hasn't gotten picked is um, Kerr Barlow from Salem's Lot. Um, nice. I love the, the the Toby Hooper film. Um, I know a lot of times, just to be clear, we're talking about novels, but I love the Toby. I, get, I think it was a miniseries originally, but that was before my time. Um, so I knew it as a VHS when I was a kid that I just got somehow and I was I was it really frightened me and it was the first I remember I saw that first I mean I was really young and I remember I saw that and then found out that that type of vampire the way he looked was derivative of Nosferatu so it kind of led me to that you know so Salem's Lot's got great atmosphere it's creepy uh it's one of those things they're preying on the town trying to make everybody you know, and it's got that Stephen King motif where it's like not not necessarily the devil, but some entity moves into a small town and opens up a shop and it's secretly, you know, turning everyone into some kind of ghoul. So I don't know. I just always liked it. And I love the fall. I love the way it kind of creeps in. So, yeah, uh, Salem's Lot, Kurt Barlow. Good choice. Good choice. Anybody else have Salem Lots or Toby Hooper on their list? No, it, it hopped on and off my that. list a lot, though. It was it, close. It was, it was the book. It was my um, honorable mention because ah, it was the very. Nice. First, it was my very first Stephen King novel that I ever read. I actually made a popsicle stick cross when I read it. I was thirteen. I loved that book. Excellent. It was my introduction to Stephen King. <laughs> Gateway drugs. We yeah. we should do an episode about gateway drugs. That'd be fun. There you go. So, yeah. So, all right. So uh, it sounds like it's we're, it's funny because I think the next few we've done are all variances on the same character, which is kind of interesting, right? Last couple of choices. Uh, so uh, let's go for who is my number? Oh, Raven. Raven, you're number one. Well, thank you. And you're number two. <laughs> Hilarious. Okay. Uh, 1978, George Romero decided to collaborate for the first time with Tom Savini. And they got together and made a wonderful vampire movie, or is it, called Martin. Martin. Um, <laughs> I found it on accident, like in a in a bargain bin at a rental store that was going out of business. And it was like the best quarter I ever spent. Uh, it's a, a troubled guy who he believes he's a vampire and he might convince you too, but it's, that's kind of part of the question. Is he really, I don't know. And then like a bunch of seventies stuff happens because it's 1978. Also, um, <laughs> they, they, it was uh, seized and confiscated by the UK under the Obscene Publications Act um, when they had the video nasty panic that resurfaced. Uh, so it wasn't officially banned, but um, and and they didn't prosecute for obscenity, but they tried to. 
Oh, it was on the class shopping. three list, right? The yeah. Class list, yeah. Which is like, we're worried about this, but we're just right. Fan, Phantasm <laughs> is also on that list, so they can go jump off a cliff, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, they really can. <laughs> yeah. But it's a low-budget movie. This is like back when they were hanging out in Pennsylvania together, and it's, um, I think, pretty locally made. <laughs> you see a lot of just George Romero's neighborhood and stuff. Um, but it's it's a really there's some really cool interesting shots, um, and definitely some interesting casting too. And then it just has like that marvelously ugly '70s late '70s horror movie palette. <laughs> um, you know, like why does orange need to be here? I don't know, but it is. And uh, yeah, check it out. It's great. Good time. Nice. Excellent. So next up and last but not least, number one is Mr. Aaron Kogan with your number one. Number one. Uh, We already did it. It was going to be uh, the novels, Interview with the Vampire and Vampire Lestat. Lestat and Louis are are just amazing characters. And in the movies, they're okay. But if you haven't read the the novels, you're missing out. Got to read the novels. So um, going further down my list, um, we could talk about Morbius, the living vampire, or we could talk about Barnabas Collins. Let's talk about Barnabas Collins because he's on my list. Let's talk about Barnabas Collins. Um, number eight. Uh, he's a great character. Number nine there for me. This... Number nine. Oh, wait, right hold on. Yeah. Um, Dark Shadows was a soap opera, and it was going nowhere, and they brought this character in to pump it up, and... Uh, is what I was told, which I don't understand, because his his portrait is in the hall the entire time. How is it not built around this? But anyway, uh, Barnabas Collins uh, is a great character. He's um, he, he's a vampire that comes back to Collinwood, the estate, uh, which uh, is uh, has his relatives his descendants living in it. He claims to be uh, their cousin from England and the descendant of the original Barnabas Collin, whose uh, portrait is in the hall. And he's this wonderful, uh, the portrayal is just uh, so good. I mean, for TV uh, shot live soap opera, uh, I just, I really enjoy the performance and the character's, uh, this sad, cursed vampire, and uh, very, you know, dark and moody and romantic, but it's played with a really light touch, which kind of surprised me the first time, because everything I've ever read about it made me think he's always this dark, brooding character, but uh, he's kind of fun. So, he's not uh, brooding, yeah, he but he is list. the first reluctant vampire. You know, that's what Jonathan yeah. Frid called him, the reluctant vampire. And, and he really is. He kind of set that standard. Like, you know, I didn't put on, and I was really surprised. Adian Turner did not make this list for being human, partly because that was mm. an oversight. But but there's a direct line from Barnabas Collins to Adian Turner and even yeah. Robert Pattinson's character in Twilight, if you want to go there, um, of, of, the, of, the, of the vampire that knows that what he's doing is ethically incorrect and is trying to stop himself from doing it. And there's also yeah. that, that extra added curse thing going on on Dark Shadows yep. that adds a little bit of flavor to it because you get, first of all, you get, 
Victoria Winters, who's one of my favorite heroines on television. I love Victoria Winters, and this is why we were not going to talk about the Johnny Depp Tim Burton movie because thank you. Oh my God! Couldn't agree with you more. Couldn't agree with you more. Absolutely. Oh my God. Um, (laughs) But we also get Isabella, sexy witch people, one of the original, uh, you know, and she is just an amazing character. And uh, you know, and the only thing that that movie got right um, with her, uh, you know. But I wanted to also shout out not just the the original TV series. There was also that small. Reboot in the '90s with oh, Ben Cross, yeah. and and he, and and Barnabas Collins was still cool in that one too, and so was mm-hmm. Isabella. Um, they were they. they it, I really, I I was really, I actually was on board for that show, and I was really hoping it would continue. Um, everyone, yeah. the evil genius says hi. By the way, so hi, evil genius. What's your favorite vampire totally movie, genius. Lily? The Lost Boys is her answer. Uh, oh, <laughs> definitely the Lost Boys. Uh, That's awesome. So, so Barnabas Collins. Now, uh, I I don't know if uh, Raven or or Aaron or Steve have any of you watched the original Dark Shadows? I know that Je- uh, Je- yeah. uh, Janessa Jane da- has been binging them. Uh, the first season's a bit of problematic. They didn't really have their yeah. face yet, and they, they were going for the murder mystery angle. Um, hmm. And Victoria Winters is kind of the investigating. You know, she's a nanny, but she's investigating a murder, Nancy Drewish style. Uh, but then they introduced the vampire in season two, and the shift in the tone. And it, I don't know why it works, but Jonathan Frid was such a presence on that show. Yeah. Oh my God! So I recommend. Oh, you, we were talking about junk food earlier, Raven. Dark yeah. Shadows. Mm-hmm. Choice junk food. Oh, Choice. I used yeah. to have the Dark Shadows board game. Oh, that cool. shit is worth so much now. Wow. Like if I, if that's the only thing I could have, <laughs> I my would pay all your salary. <laughs> she had a 33-inch vinyl soundtrack to Dark Shadows. Nice. That's nice. Awesome. I know. Yeah, I used to so. It. There was one madness. I watched a whole bunch of them. I don't remember if it was thematic or not, um, but hmm. I, there was a website that was just like play a random episode. So I'd click that button. And if I hadn't marked the episode down, I would watch it. It was very confusing in that order. Uh, hmm. <laughs> you saw like some different things that they would learn over the seasons as far as being on a live set. Um, they still made flubs and stuff till they were pretty much done, but. That also kind of makes it more endearing. Um, and mm. oh, and I'll, it's kind of like an elder goth rite of passage. The, <laughs> there was like a goth coffee shop in Portland that would play it every Monday night, and she could like go knit and right. watch Dark Shadows. They use a theremin, right? Yeah, they sure do. You know, I bought my husband. Two Christmases ago at Theremin for, and he's and we keep we keep, <sighs> um, so keep yelling at him because he's stuck at home. He should be putting that shit together and learning how to play the theremin while we're in the middle right. of the uh, or send it apocalypse. to Raven. Uh, I, 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 he knows how to play it already. That's why I got it from. Yeah, me he too. To That's it. why I want one. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! They're have you expensive. ever seen the Have you ever seen the documentary about the theremin? Yes, it's on Amazon oh God, right it? now. 
I've always had a wish that I could have been there to see the Carnegie Hall um, concert mm. where they were dancing, where they were doing the dancing. Yeah. I, I, I just mm-hmm. that that looked amazing. Like I, I can't even imagine. So I really theremins are awesome. Uh, yeah. So and any good vampire movie has a theremin sometimes. So that's sure. awesome. Old All right. So Aaron, Aaron Marie, you're number one. It'll be yes. my number one, and we got to get out of uh, here. I'm actually, I'm actually really excited to say this because I'm not even sure if anybody else has seen it on the list, but it's called From the Dark, a 2014 movie. From Ireland. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, the writer, director, Connor McMahon also did Stitches. Mm. I like but, Stitches a lot. Uh, yeah. From the Dark was the only vampire movie I've ever seen in my life to make a vampire truly terrifying. And it is, it's incredible. It's about this couple that get lost out in the country side of Ireland and this old farmer has just dug up and hit uh, basically a vampire grave and he pulls the stake out and that starts it. You don't see the vampire that often Um, and when you do, it's just in small flashes and he's very Nosferatu looking. It's it's quite fucking terrifying. But um, the couple go to the farm, of course, to try to find help, and this vampire is loose, so they have to run away from this vampire the whole movie. And it, the way it's done is so cool. I mean, it, basically light repels him, so trying to find different forms of light throughout the movie in order to keep it away is just one of the, one of the many things I love about the movie. It's just such a neat I don't know, concept <laughs> that is done so well. And I love that movie. That's, that's, I totally forgot it. I haven't actually seen that yet, but I totally forgot about it. I got to totally watch that now. I absolutely love Stitches. So I can't see this one being bad either. Stitches is one of, has my favorite slasher kill of any movie ever. Uh, <laughs> so uh, uh, that's cool. Um Let's see. My number one is going back. We're going to go back to the source material almost. Um, once again, it's influenced by the original Nosferatu. In this case, and Aaron Kogan, you called it. Werner Herzog, a 1979 Nosferatu the Vampire oh, yeah. with Klaus Kinski and, and uh, oh, what's her, Isabella Johnny, who was the star yeah. of Possession, which is one of the video nasty movies. And she won the can for that. Uh, so mm. I, this is absolutely my favorite Dracula story version. Uh, there are two versions of it. There's an English language version and the German subtitled version. Both I recommend the German one slightly over the American, but you won't have any problems with either one. Mm. They're both excellent versions. Dracula often, especially Bela, which is surprising. Nobody mentioned Bela on any of our lists, which is, I find kind of interesting. Um, you know, is that, the, the the count sexy angle the hypnotism the sexual attraction the blood all of that is is explored and and Herzog isn't quite doing that he's going after the things in the books that are also accompanying Dracula just for his merry presence being around he brings madness he brings pestilence he brings all these terrible he corrupt anything he's around just being around things corrupts 
corrupts the earth, corrupts plants, corrupts people. And this is all explored in Werner Herzog's version of Dracula. That being said, Klaus Kinski, even through the scary Nosferatu makeup, has some of the hottest sexual tension in any Dracula movie. And that he can get that through that makeup job is incredibly amazing performance. So I would say the Werner Herzog root film is a bit of a slow burn for some people. The Jonathan Harker second section is kind of long. It's him wandering around the castle. It's a beautiful castle, though. Uh, <laughs> I think they shot it on location uh, and, uh, you know, in Transylvania. Uh, and it, it, I just can't recommend this one enough. And so if you wanted to see the ultimate Dracula film, I would say Werner Herzog's Klaus Kinski, 1979. But all these movies and even are all valid. And I knew that a lot of these would show up. I knew Let the Right One In would show up. I knew a few of these would show up. Uh, the mm-hmm. only one that didn't show up, like I said, was Adrian Turner from Being Human. I also wanted to give a count, uh, shout out to Matilda May from Life Force uh, for being the most naked, beautiful vampire in a movie. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, um, and, and the ultimate uh, vampire, which is the Count. And who I'm going to leave you with tonight is the Count, the original vampire we all knew. We all met him first. We love him. Sesame Street, Jerry Lawler, rest in peace. You were amazing. You taught us everything. Vampires and how to count. Can't go wrong. Uh, We'll see you guys in about two weeks. I have no idea what the subject's going to be because right now with this whole (laughs) pandemic thing, we're kind of playing it by ear. But however, Raven, don't forget, very soon, we got to talk madness theme. It's time. I think I know what it is. Yeah, I have a feeling. I'm that excited. I, I, it's you know, so it might not be next episode, but it might be the episode after. I haven't decided yet, but very soon we're gonna have to talk madness theme park. I'm into it. Excellent. So into it. So good. Good night, everyone. Um, I'm gonna leave you tonight with the count, and also because we are in the middle of a pandemic, and I wanted to know: Do the coronavirus can vampires get it because they turn into bats? We don't <laughs> know. But like all people in a pandemic, I'm sure they're wearing no pants. So anyway, with that note, <laughs> good night, good film hunting, good binge watching, and I'll see you in a couple weeks. Good night. Blessed be and good film hunting. Oh, greetings. It is I, count, and it's time to answer that fascinating question. What is the Sesame Street number of the day? Ah, ah. Let's count the bats and find out. Ah, that's one. One bat. Two. Two bats. Three. Three fabulous flyers. Ah, ah, ah. What? Nothing? Nothing happened. Where's the confetti? Where's the balloons? Isn't three the number of the day? Uh, Oh, what? Oh, we're not finished counting. Ha-ha. Yes, Sasha, where were you, my pet? Oh, well, never mind. You're here now. Let's keep going. We had three bats and one more. Sasha makes one, two, three, four all together. Four bountiful buttes. I I mean four beautiful bats. The number of the day is four. Ah, 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 ah. Ah, one, two, three. Oh, still here.
Dance for I wear no 